Hello and welcome to The Wound Doctors, a podcast series dedicated to the study and improved treatment of wounds. These episodes are brought to you by Convitec, pioneering trusted medical solutions to improve the lives they touch. Rod Murray is my name, and on this episode, we're going to be delving into the world of the unknown, sort of. Dr. Francis Henshaw is my co-host, and Dr. Fran, many years ago, Donald Rumsfeld talked about known knowns and known unknowns and unknown unknowns. What is a wound, not a wound? Oh, I'm just confused now, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> it actually makes sense if you break it down. Rumsfeld really did know what he was talking about. Oh, about stuff. I think it might be a bit too philosophical for me. But what we're talking about today is things that present like a common or garden wound, but in fact aren't. And uh, Joseph Frankel, who is uh, our guest today, has an exceptionally deep knowledge of dermatology. I, on the other hand, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Good to have you here, Dr. Jason. It'll be a very short episode. Well, no, not at all, Fran. I'm, I, look, Fran has a PhD in, in wound care. so Fran knows more than she lets. Oh, absolutely. She's, she's just being modest. But um, it's interesting you mentioned wound care and dermatology because they are essentially one and the same. Wound care is a branch of dermatology in essence. So so when when is a wound not a wound? Well, interestingly, I, I spoke about this recently at a conference with a condition called lichen simplex chronicus. Never heard of, of it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So what is lichen simplex chronicus? Well, we know that wounds occur in the skin and the skin is multi-layered. And so um, for a wound to be technically a wound, it needs to breach the epidermis. The epidermis is that outer layer that we can all see. thought about this. When is a wound a wound? When is a wound a wound? When does it become a wound? So, um, And the reason it needs to breach the epidermis is because the epidermis is what we call avascular, which means it has no circulation. So a wound becomes a wound when it reaches the next layer, which is the dermis. And so what can happen in some individuals in uh, particularly around bony areas or where they chronically scratch or damage tissue is both the dermis and the epidermis start to change. And they change into a, a deep form of eczema called lichenification or, or, or a lichenoid um, pr- um, presentation, which is basically a histological description of what the tissue is actually doing. So um, we've spoken about in a previous episode where we biopsy a wound and we actually look and see what's within the wound. And so what a biopsy is, is you're taking a a cross-section of tissue, epidermis, and then depidermis, and then sometimes even hypodermis, to have a look and see what the cells are actually doing. So in something like like lichen simplex chronicus, we're seeing an eczema-type pattern, but a chronic eczema-type pattern. And that can manifest as wounds on areas like your elbow and your malleoli, which are your ankles. And so sometimes when a patient presents with a chronic lateral ankle wound, which many podiatrists are, and uh, that are listening have seen, I'm sure, as well as nurses and doctors and all of our other audience. And so what we actually see is we see a chronic wound that's not actually a wound. It's actually just chronically damaged tissue. So it's almost like this eczema-type lesion that won't get better. Essentially. Essentially. Ah. Have you ever treated a, a lateral malleolus wound? Oh, I've treated plenty of them over, uh, in my time, and perhaps some of them were lichen simplex, simplex chronicus. chronicus. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, it's also known as neurodermatitis. So um, some individuals that are particularly prone to itchiness tend to scratch areas, often around the groin, but it can be any area. And an area that's chronically scratched and wounded then becomes a chronic wound. So what starts as a sensory, some, uh, often sensory or, or inflammatory issue like eczema or, or a, some sort of chronic irritation 
then becomes a skin condition and then becomes a wound. So that's where the wound dermatology continuum tends to be Got quite big. Yeah. So how do you treat them? Great question. <laughs> it's tricky. It's tricky because so essentially what you need to do is work backwards because it starts with an inflammatory trigger, which then beca- th- then moves on to becoming a dermatosis, which then becomes a wound. If we work backwards and we heal the wound, we then need to treat the, the dermatosis as well. And the, the difficult thing is the way we typically treat inflammatory dermatoses is with anti-inflammatories like steroids, which are terrible for wounds. And we know that people that uh, are on steroids, either topically or orally, um, have slower wound healing because of, of, of what steroids do. They fundamentally change the way tissue turns over. There, I mean, the long-term consequence of steroids are is atrophy, basically, which which means that yeah. the, the cells just don't. Yeah, you get thinner skin, and it, it breaks more easily, don't basically. you? So, yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation when you have this thing that's driven by inflammation, because the drugs that treat the inflammation also damage the skin. That's essentially, mm. and the therefore problem. can cause a wound. So it's yeah. this sort of it's 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 very difficult, and that's where wound healing sort of branches out almost into palliative type management. So it's not about a cure, it's about management. Mm. And so when we discussed previously what the goal of a wound dressing is, perhaps more broader, we can ask ourselves, what's the goal of wound management? It's not necessarily wound healing, it's managing it in a sense that it it, um, fits in with lifestyle, um, we're preventing the wound from deteriorating, we're preventing it from getting infected or forming a biofilm. So it's more about let's find something that the the patient can put on themselves and we'll manage it as akin to another chronic complication like asthma. Is this a reasonably recent sort of a discovery for want of a better term? Yes and no. I mean, a lot of the classic inflammatory dermatoses, like the popular ones, like like eczema and dermatitis, have obviously been around for a long time. I mean, eczema is arguably the most common skin condition. What is eczema? Just to okay, so e- those who don't know. Eczema, eczema is um, eczema literally means to boil over. And so, um, and, and, and that's. I didn't know that either. Yeah. And that's. And I've had it all my life. And that's. Have you really? Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's really common. It's really common. And, and, you know, Australia, particularly where I'm from in Melbourne is probably the X-Men capital of the world. Um, but, uh, but essentially that, that, um, that, that definition is, is both descriptive as, as well as, um, histologically accurate. So eczema is essentially inflammation of the dermis. So that's why it's called dermatitis. And often we, we describe eczema as the itch that causes a rash, a rash rather. So there's some sort of, with eczema, there's some sort of allergenic trigger, whether it's internal, whether it's external. So internal as in you've eaten something or there's a medication or you're an atopic individual like you're a little kid. And then you basically get a a non-raised rash. So it's not like you don't form a plaque with eczema. It's just a kind of itchy, irritated rash. And the boiling over component is something called spongiosis. So we were talking before about epidermis, dermis, hypodermis. The epidermis, the, the dermis rather, because it's inflamed, it actually starts to separate and it forms these little, these little blisters called vesicles. And that's an eczematous little lesion. And as that comes through to the surface, that causes more itch and more irritation. So it becomes a bit self-perpetuating. You also mentioned at the start there, things start to change because Correct. of the now. What do you mean by that? It's red. It's often, um, well, it's, it's itchy, like I said before. And um, sometimes the skin can actually crack and, and split apart quite easily because because of those tissue reactions whereby stuff starts to separate. 
it's it's quite easy to bleed. Right. And so often, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you've come across this, Fran, you have eczema patients that scratch themselves to the point of bleeding, quite literally. But having eczema, I mean, and I've suffered with eczema all my life, is something that it is like being tickled with a feather. Telling someone not to yeah, scratch don't it scratch, yes. is, is not very easy. But just to pick up on something else that you were saying about triggers, I remember once I was going out of my mind because my eczema was bad and I went to see this Chinese medicine doctor and they, they looked at my tongue and they took some pulses and asked some questions. And then they said to me that I mustn't eat onion, garlic, tomatoes seafood and i mustn't drink wine so i, I decided that i'd rather live with eczema at that point <laughs> <laughs> the those are my the garlic and tomatoes you can keep it the wine come on those are my favorite food yeah. <laughs> i know it's like they're taking all my major food groups off yeah. me just to go down a rabbit hole i, I heard this once so i don't know if it's true are we unclear about what causes an itch why we itch correct, correct. we don't yeah. know what that actually well, is do well, we? well that's what atopic means so 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 there's about Eight different types of eczema, and and lichen simplex chronicus is one of them. But um, m- the most common type of eczema is what we see in pediatrics, which is atopic dermatitis. Atopic means without place. So in other words, you've got it, but we don't know why. There's a number of different theories. There's the inside-out theory. There's the outside-in theory. The outside-in theory basically means we're very clean now, and so we're, we're, um, our skin isn't colonized with the same bugs that, that we used to have 50-plus years ago. The inside-out theory is that um, now our diet has rapidly evolved, and so we're having uh, perhaps less of the things we should have. There's some evidence to discuss the differences between omega-3, 6, and 9 ratios. That's a whole other podcast in and of itself. But, yeah, it, it's complicated, and and we know that certain eczemas, like in Fran's case, I'm also an eczema sufferer as well, by the way. Oh, look at us. Well, now I feel left out. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Can okay. you catch it? Must We're be- sitting in here with you too. Is it contagious? <laughs> must, no. be, must be something about being a podiatrist. podiatrist <laughs> it's a wound care. Yeah. Well, actually, it's interesting. You mentioned that, actually, um, about being a podiatrist, because a common cause of eczema is actually dealing with fungus. Because um, when we treat our patients' um, skin and um, fungal nail infections, that can create um, a fungal colony, a, a fungal aerosol in the air, which can then right. land on skin and then cause eczema. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's a bit of an occupational hazard, isn't it? Correct. And it's why podiatrists should be very careful to always wear the right PPE and stuff, because otherwise you can inhale these things and, I don't know, get mushrooms growing in your lungs or something. Probably not quite like that, but... <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> Which you'd have to then debride, obviously. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, right. that might be a challenge even for me. You mentioned elbows and ankles in particularly. Why? Do we know why? Why well, those areas of the body? Okay, so, so, so specific for lichen simplex chronicus, it's because those areas are under um, – not not constant, but but under consistent trauma. So but an elbow – now leaning on the absolutely. desk with the elbow? Absolutely. That's that, – you know, your, your grand was right when she said get your elbows off the table. <laughs> but, but we know that, that, that particularly in the elderly, um, the malleolus – so, so the outer ankles in particular, when a person is lying on their side for a lengthy period, because that tissue is thin naturally, and we discussed this in previous podcast as, you know, tissue thins um, with aging, um, it's much more susceptible to trauma. And as it's traumatized, that inflammation can then cause an itch. And then round and round we go in an itch scratch cycle where we get eczema, trauma, wounds, et cetera, et cetera. And then we get something like lichen simplex chronicus. Wow. So while we're talking about these inflammatory things, because I don't know a right lot about lichen simplex chronicus, so I'd like to talk about something that I know <laughs> about. You do know. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, Pyderma gangrenosum. Oh, so it's... this is an inflammatory kind of a sore rod, and it often 
occurs in people who have things like arthritis or very commonly people who've got um, bowel disorders. So these kind of autoimmune bowel disorders. And um, they present, they often call it a cat's paw, don't they? So it's it's uh, like a, a wound that's the shape of a cat's paw, often lots of little wounds joined together. And they often have this bluish violet edge to them. And um, these commonly present Oh, I can't say commonly present because they're not that common. It's but rare. It's pretty rare. Uh, 2% of people, I think, with uh, Crohn's disease might have. And, might and have. what percentage of people would have Crohn's? Yeah, I mean, not that probably many. Be, so, so it'd probably be sort of 2%. 2 2%. 2%. I'd say so. Yeah. 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 So these people often present to the podiatrist, the wound clinic or what have you, and people say, oh, it's a, a foot ulcer or it's a, leg, a venous leg ulcer. And so they do the usual stuff, which is, you know, the kind of wound hygiene of cleanse, debride, and da, da 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 But because these are actually inflammatory lesions, this doesn't help them. It actually makes them worse a lot of the time. So uh, again, you really need to treat these with an immunosuppressive drug, which is usually a steroid. So this is like the most um, counterintuitive thing to do is, oh, someone's got a, a hole in their skin, so we'll, gi- we'll give them something <laughs> that will thin their skin. Yeah. Um, but you actually need to do that. And this is really important to make this careful diagnosis. And we, we bang on about wound assessment a lot mm-hmm. of the time. But a lot of the time it is about knowing about the patient's background um, medical history as well. Because if you don't fully understand that, you, you can not you can really miss these really. these things. Yeah. Yeah. When a wound is not a wound. Um, yeah. and, and as I was explaining uh, previously, the definition of eczema, what it actually means, pyoderma gangrenosum is a complete misnomer because pyoderma means pus producing and there's often no pus and gangrenosum means filled with gangrene and it's not gangrenous. But oh, anything rubbish, pleasant then. about being a podiatrist <laughs> at all? No, no, but but it's interesting. It's interesting how they came up with that with that term, despite the fact that it doesn't actually make sense. But it stuck with us. And interestingly, if you look at the internal lesions of an inflammatory bowel disorder like Crohn's, it looks the same. Oh, so it's essentially a form of external inflammatory bowel disease, and so. We know, Freaking me out, Joe. Yeah, I, like it's, it's sort of, but and 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 it's interesting. Fran mentioned the, the Chinese medicine link because I mean, for years traditional medicine has spoken about the gut skin link, mm. which does make sense. So if something is is ulcerative internally, and that's what Crohn's is, it's ulcers along the gastrointestinal tract. Surely the same thing would happen in the skin as well. Yeah, but interestingly, the trigger for that is actually trauma, often for pyoderma gangrenosum. Yes. What do you mean by trauma? So they get they they cut themselves shaving, they give oh. themselves a knock, and then it, it pops up. Yeah, yeah. Horrific pictures. If anyone wants to Google them, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I know two people present, that probably do. Pre- pre- both in this room. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I I have had a few people with these over the years who've actually been all around the houses because no one's recognized it as a pyoderma gangrenosum and often you know you you really need to refer them on to someone like a rheumatologist don't you who can you need treat- a team yeah you need a team and a dermatologist as well i'd say yeah yeah is there anything are there back to back to the wounds that aren't wounds is there anything that you can look for early is there any way to uh, disrupt the progression of these things that you're talking about, elbows and ankles. Is there any early warning signs? Yeah. Well, um, um, ac- um, as Fran mentioned, accurate diagnosis is the key. 
you know, and, and just getting in early, I think, particularly with anything chronic. I mean, if, if it's immune driven and if it's internally driven, um, often much like, um, I mentioned before with lichen simplex chronicus, by getting to the underlying cause, you can really fix it up. So imagine in a case of pyoderma gangrenosum, once you fix up the inflammatory bowel disease, things should improve thereafter. But yeah, really it's, it's, it's all about time. Just, just get in, get in there in, in, in good time and, and you'll get to the bottom of it, literally and figuratively. This theme really crops up all the time, doesn't it, Fran? Early assessment, correct assessment. It makes those frontline workers, that, that, that mythical audience member we've dreamed up, crucial in all Absolutely. And I think because with a wound, there is something to look at. A lot of the time, it, the temptation is just go, oh, it's this big. Therefore, I need a wound dressing that's slightly bigger and I'll just slap on something that looks like it might do the job. But you really need to be very, very um, much like a detective and get through the whole of the patient history and the whole of the medications, medical history, and also things like the the person who's got the wound, their ideas, their concerns and their expectations, because there's no point in just giving someone a big um, treatment plan if, if they've got no intention of following it. Or perhaps no capacity to follow or it for all sorts no of various capacity. reasons. Right. Yeah. Or they're unable to heal because of the underlying medical yeah. reasons for it. Yeah. Joseph, technology's racing ahead in all areas. And I imagine in these areas as well, in some ways almost too quickly to keep up, it would seem in not uncommon to have a bit of technology that tells us what we've always thought was wrong and then the new piece comes in and says, actually, it was right and that bit of technology. Yeah. What role is that playing in some of the things you're talking about here, technology and things like wound dressings? We know most people think a bandage is just a bandage, like some people think a car tire is just a tire. I know. Well, we're getting better better diagnostically. I mean, as Fran said, what we do is essentially visual. It's visual and, and it's in, in investigative. So you've got to have a good broad medical knowledge. But but we're getting better at looking for particular cell markers. I mean, so for example, if you take pyoderma gangrenosum, a lot of it's based on neutrophils, which is one type of, of white blood cell that's there. So if we can identify particular markers or internal inflammatory markers, we're getting better. But really, I think where things are getting very exciting, in, in a particularly in a dermatological sense, and I wonder whether this will spill over into wound care as well, is the um, implementation of, of a class of um, medication called biologics. Biologics are really, really cool. Essentially, what they do is they um, have a look at the particular cellular behaviors of an inflammatory disease. So take eczema, for example, and they'll know that eczema produces a number of inflammatory markers, and then a biologic will be able to target those specific molecules to stop the inflammatory process. And so if we think about something like pyoderma gangrenosum, there are biologics specific for inflammatory bowel diseases like ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. And so therefore, you're essentially treating the wound internally and ultimately externally, but there are biologics specific for those particular diseases. So I wonder whether the next step is to re-engineer those biologics to, to target wounds, I wonder. No, you really are freaking me out. Yeah, like, like, no, no, <laughs> but but but, but it makes what? A lot of yeah, sense. and and how amazing would it be? Because most of the biologics are actually either infusions or tablets or an injection. So could you imagine saying to a patient that's got a chronic wound, "I just need to give you an injection in your in your arm, which will then cure your wound on your leg." Yeah, I mean, you look at people who, for example, have um, rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, they used to get dreadful joint destruction, deformity, pain, inability to mobilize, and things. 
things like that. And now they have biologics that can actually halt that in its tracks. So I don't think it's too long a bow to draw to say that we might be able to do that for the skin soon. I'll say this to both of you, and I'll get your reaction first, Joseph and then yours, Dr. Friend. This feels a long way from podiatry with my limited <laughs> knowledge of podiatry. <laughs> Is it just the synergistic nature of the body that no matter which part you've decided to specialise in, you're going to wander into other areas anyway? Inevitably. And, and, and that's medicine. I mean, medicine essentially, if you don't have that foundation of, of really good understanding of biology and physiology and anatomy, you can't really apply your medical knowledge in that specific area. So, I mean, to use a terrible wound joke, we look at the whole, W-H-O-L-E, not the, not the whole H-O-L-E. Awful wound. It's so bad, Joseph, it's, I may edit it out. Fair enough. Apologies. <laughs> it comes you. up quite often, actually. It does. It was it quite does. good the first few it times. Does. Yeah, I know. Now it's sort of like, that was so 10 years ago. But- Applying that to what you said before, correct. I mean, yes, we're podiatrists, and just like some of our listeners might be a GP, a nurse, a pharmacist, whoever, but that doesn't mean that that um, one shouldn't step away from having a broad knowledge of what we're dealing with. The skin is an organ, and it's systemic, and and that systemic relationship needs to be addressed in a systemic way. One thing that's become really clear to me doing this podcast is just how much we underrate nurses. Oh, certainly. <laughs> But so, most of the ones that we've had come on this show or that we've come across have essentially been doctors, yeah. <laughs> as far as I can tell. The knowledge is extraordinary. The dedication to task is well beyond what could be expected reasonably. Same question for you, Dr. Fran. Podiatry. We seem to have gone a long way from podiatry with what we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, I think that back in the day, podiatrists just cut toenails. And I think nowadays we do an awful lot more. And it is important to have this you know, really broad knowledge because the number of times that I've, you know, picked up someone who's got diabetes because of something that's gone wrong with their foot. Whereas if I never looked above an ankle, I would have just treated what was going on with their foot and it would probably have never got better because I didn't know that they had diabetes. But you can ask certain questions, you know, do you go get up and go to the toilet five times in the night? You know, if they're if they're doing that, there's a chance they might have diabetes. Are you tired? Are you thirsty? So, you know, there's lots of different questions that as a podiatrist will help you not only fix their foot, but maybe fix the rest of them as well. In some ways, what you're talking about there is exactly what we're talking about with our mythical audience member, isn't it? Mm. Spotting things outside your area of expertise, but that plug into a much bigger health picture. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's not important to be able to treat everything. Like if I see someone with pyoderma gangrenosa and they've got a big sore on their foot, you know, most people would think that was right up my alley. Well, I don't prescribe the kind of drugs that they these people need, so I would refer them on. And to me, that's not a failure. That's part of being a team. The success, isn't it? Yeah, you, you move along the, along the chain. It's an extraordinary world, this world of medicine. Have we extracted from Joseph today everything that we need to on this particular topic, Fran, though my suspicion is we could sit here for several hours with Joseph and not get bored. I think we could, but do you know what? I've learned so much today that I think I need to go and have a little lie down now just to digest it all. <laughs> I, this is one of my fa- – I'm a Simpsons fan, one of my favourite Simpsons episodes ever when uh, Homer was sent off to try and you know, do something and, and he says to Marge, Come on, Marge, you know I can't learn anything new. Every time something new goes in, something old comes out. <laughs> Remember when I did that wine tasting course and I forgot how to drive? 
Oh, uh, which is uh, <laughs> possibly what we're talking about here. Dr. Joseph, been fantastic to have you in the studio. Really enjoyed it. Thank you again. Really Thank appreciate you, it. Thank you, Rod. Thank you, Fran. Always a joy to see you, Dr. Fran. Thank you. And you too, Rod. Thanks. That's the Wound Doctors for this time. We'll be back to do it all again soon here on The Wound Doctors. Mm-hmm.